0: right, Victory Church, and I love worshiping with you guys. I just love you guys in general, man. Love coming here on Sunday morning. It's just such an incredible family. Tom was talking about that earlier. Just such an incredible family that we have, and I agree, man. We just have such an incredible family. I love you guys. You can feel the love of Christ in this room, and I just want you guys to know I feel it from you, and I really appreciate that. There's so many places that you go into, and you can't feel that love. It's just a lot of people in a room, but here you can feel the Holy Spirit's presence, and I'm so thankful for that. I want to thank you. To start off with, I want to ask you guys a question. Have you guys ever been in a situation in your life where you slept through something really, really important, and later on down the road, you wish that you had been awake? You really wish that you had been awake. It was something so important that you missed. Like, you, you would give almost anything to be able to go back in time and be like, wake up, fool. Come on, this, you're going to miss something really important here. And you keep on asking yourself, man, you keep on thinking, what if I had been awake? What if I had been awake back here? You know, and maybe for you it was on a Saturday morning. You slept in longer than you usually do in a time when you would usually be awake. You should have been awake. And you missed maybe your kids' first steps or their first words. Maybe for you it was in a class, a class that you really needed to pass. You really needed to get a good, good grade. And you're sitting there just kind of daydreaming, nodding off. At the end of the class, you get some kind of a pop quiz, and it's on what you just learned. You're sitting sitting there thinking, like, what did we just talk about? What What did we just talk about? Or maybe something a little bit more serious. Maybe it's somebody that's in the military, and you were supposed to be on post. You're supposed to be on guard, and you fell asleep. And when you fell asleep, a lot of your buddies ended up getting hurt or worse killed. Because, guys, everything that we do in life, there are repercussions for the actions that we take, including when we fall asleep. Now, I'm not saying that sleep is bad, okay? A lot of you people need to sleep more, honestly. I'm not saying that sleep is bad. It's a good thing. Please get sleep. But if you hear me on this, what I'm talking about is sleeping when we're supposed to be awake. Get that sleeping when we're supposed to be awake. See, I've, I've wondered sometimes, you, you, you look back in history at all these guys, these guys that impacted the environment that we're in now. What if these guys, some of these guys in history, had been asleep And moments where they were supposed to be awake. What if Paul Revere had been asleep rather than telling and warning people that the British were coming? What if George Washington had been asleep at several pivotal points in the war when they needed a general? They needed the leader. What if George Washington had been asleep rather than giving the Gettysburg Address? And what if Martin Luther King had been asleep rather than telling the world about his dream? The big idea today is we have to wake up, get up, and move in order to be used by God. We have to wake up, get up, and move in order to be used by God. Today we're going to be diving into the story of a man, he's a prophet, Jonah. And even though he's a prophet, he's running from God. And while he's running from God, he almost sleeps through, spiritually speaking, one of the greatest evangelistic outpourings that the world has ever seen. Before we dive into this story, let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this family that you've given us. Thank you so much for this time that we have come, to come together and to worship you. God, I pray that you remind us that this is all about you. The reason that we are here is to glorify you, to encourage each other and point each other towards you. God, I pray that you just take over, Father, and anoint this sermon. Anoint these words, Father, and I pray that you use this broken vessel, God. If there's anything in this sermon that you want to change, Holy Spirit, I pray that you do it. I pray that you just flood our lives, Holy Spirit, in this room, God there's anything in our, our life, walls, barriers, whatever it may be, that's keeping us from further intimacy with you, I pray that you break them down, God. And I pray if there's areas in our life that we need to be woken up from, I pray that you wake us up, God. I pray all these things in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So again, we're going to be diving into the story of Jonah today. And we're going to be kind of going through this book a little bit, but we'll primarily be in chapter 1. So if you got your Bible with you, just turn it open to chapter 1 of Jonah. If not, we've got the scripture up here. So we're going to start off with Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And remember, this guy is a prophet. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amiteh. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it, to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. So here we see Jonah, he's given this commission or this command. And his command from God is to get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. But instead of that, what does Jonah do? Man, he flees. He runs as fast as he can in the other direction. I mean, this guy, he's he's a prophet, and he thinks he can actually run from the presence of God. So we're going to pause on his story for a moment. We're going to come back to that that here in just a little bit. But first, I want to pause on this word, commission. That's exactly what God gave him. He gave him a commission, a command to go to Nineveh. See, in the same way, in a similar way, us as Christians, we've been given a commission. Every single one of us as Christians have been given a commission by God. It's called the Great Commission. Let's check this out in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Guys, as Christians, we are called to get up and go and make disciples. Every single one of us called to get up, go, and make disciples. Where? Where? Wherever God leads you, wherever your feet hit the ground, man, when, anytime and every time that you have the opportunity. But here's the thing, guys. How often are we honestly doing this? How often are we living out this commandment from God? How often are we honestly spreading the love of Christ to every everybody that we can possibly come into contact with? Telling them about the gospel message of hope, freedom, and redemption. How often are we actually engaging in people's life, inviting them to church? Here's another question. How often are we actually being disciples of Christ ourselves in our own lives, personally and individually? So many Christians, we're stuck chasing after our own desires. Our own desires, what we want to do rather than what God wants to do. Ignoring not only the gospel message and the Great Commission, but almost acting as if they don't even exist, almost acting as if God doesn't even exist. So many of us as Christians. And just like we see in Jonah's case, the city of Nineveh, this city of Nineveh, it was an Assyrian city. And see, it was known for its brutality and its wickedness. just a wicked, corrupt city, and it was just drowning in sin with absolutely no hope. In the same way, guys, we are, we are surrounded by so many people that do not know Jesus Christ. They are drowning in sin. They are hopeless. They are lost. And so many of us as Christians sit back and just fall faster and faster asleep while so many around us are just dying without knowing Jesus Christ and the gospel message. Either because we're too scared or because, like in Jonah's case, we just don't care. So many of us as Christians don't, just don't care. See, with Jonah, he hated the Ninevites. See, the Ninevites were Israel's enemy. He hated them. And he would rather just run from God than to actually do what God tells him to do because he knows that God is a loving and merciful God. And he knows what God wants to do with these people. He wants to change their life. He wants to save them. But rather than actually being a part of God's plan of redemption, he runs in the opposite direction direction, trying to run from God. Let's check out what happens next in Jonah 1, verses 4 through 6. It says, But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the vessel, and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us, and, he won't, and we won't perish. So here we see this dude, Jonah. Not only, he's a prophet again. He's a man of God. Not only is he running from God, but this dude also falls fast asleep as if nothing is wrong. As if nothing is going on, man. And what's crazy, too, is he has to have somebody that doesn't even know God to call him out And wake him up. Man, so many of us as Christians, similar to Jonah, man. We're in this situation where we're chasing after our own desires. We're chasing after the things that we want to do. But guys, we got to wake up. we got to step outside of our comfort zones and realize it's not about what we want. It's not about our desires. It's about what God wants. It's about what God wants to do. There are so many people out there that are lost, that are dying without knowing the gospel message of hope. Freedom and redemption while we sit back, falling faster and faster to sleep. So many people. And guys, these guys aren't the people that don't know Jesus. It's not like they're way out there somewhere where you can't find them. They're not like way out in the middle of nowhere. It's not just people that are off in some other country. I mean, they are your next door neighbor. They're in the grocery store that you go to, the gas station that you go to, the mall that you go to. Everywhere you go, you are most likely going to encounter people that do not know the hope, the freedom, the love of Jesus Christ, and the gospel message. So many people, so many Christians make these excuses. We've got so many excuses like, man, I'm too old. I'm too tired. I don't don't have enough time. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. How am I supposed to do this? All these excuses, we come up to it. But, But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. King David, he was just a kid. He was just a shepherd. Elijah, he was suicidal. Noah, he was a drunk. Moses couldn't talk. Peter denied Jesus after living with him and walking with him for three years. And Paul, one of the greatest evangelists ever, this man was a part of murdering Christians. What is your excuse? What is your excuse? We have no excuses, guys. Rather than being a people of excuses that just procrastinates, makes these excuses and falls faster and faster to sleep, let's be a people of action that wakes up, that gets up, and that moves with expectation for the God of the universe to move and to accomplish His plan of redemption through us right here and right now. Because So many people around us are lost and dying without knowing the hope, the freedom, and the redemption of Jesus Christ. The gospel message. Let's keep on going in the story. Jonah 1, 10 through 13. It says, Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, What is this we've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do so that you, uh, to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I am to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode harder and harder to get back to dry land. But they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. And I want to pause here for a second because what's crazy about this story is, see, when we dive into it, we understand the context behind it, we would actually see that these pagan sailors, they care more for Jonah than Jonah cares for them. They care more for Jonah than Jonah cares for them, and he's a prophet, a man of God. See, these guys, Jonah tells them what they need to do. He's like, guys, you got to throw me overboard. God's mad at me. Throw me overboard, and the sea will calm down. But they're like, no, dude, we ain't going to throw you overboard to your death. Let's keep on rowing. Let's keep on trying. There's got to be another solution. We're not just going to give up on you, man. Let's keep on rowing. That's crazy talk. And so, we've got to understand in Jonah's situation, see Jonah knows that God is loving and merciful. Ironically enough, that's the very reason that he does not want to go to Nineveh. He does not want these Ninevites to be impacted by these loving and merciful God. And in this situation, Jonah knows and understands that if you were to call out to God, if you were to repent, which simply means to turn from his desires to God's desires, and be like, God, I don't want to go to Nineveh, but I know it's not about me. I know it's about you. I know you love these people. So, so I'm going to go. I'll do it, God. I'm sorry. I love you and I'm sorry. If you would just call out to God, God is loving and merciful. He would meet him where he was at. He would calm the storm and not only save Jonah, but he would save those pagan sailors. Jonah knows this. But what's Jonah doing? He's still running. You don't get this wrong. Don't look at this. So many people look at this text like, like Jonah is some kind of a martyr. He wasn't a martyr, man. He was trying to run from God. And where else can he run from God? He's out in the middle of this storm, out in the middle of the water, on a boat. Where else can he keep running? In the ocean. Toss me overboard. I'd rather die, keep on running from God, than to have to go to Nineveh. That's what he does. He tells them to throw him overboard. Guys, how many chances are we missing to minister to so many people by chasing our own desires, by doing the things that we want to do in our time frames, and our agendas? And we're missing so many people around us. Again, either because we're scared or we just don't care, like Jonah. Something else we see that these pagan sailors are doing, they are trying to do everything that they can to save themselves. They're trying to create a way to save themselves, their own salvation. They're calling out to their guides. They're, they're trying to row faster. They're trying to throw stuff off the ship. Anything that they can possibly do to create a way for salvation. But what they're about to realize is that salvation only comes from God. Salvation only comes from God. So often in our life, we'll try to cling to different things, whether it's you know, drugs, alcohol, or wealth, you know, or power, or even other people, our job, whatever it may be, all these other things, trying to just get some kind of you know, feeling of hope and security. Like, you know, if i got to have this. i got to have this in order to cope, in order to get by. But I'm going to tell you something. Those things are only an illusion. The only thing that will ever save you is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the gospel message, man. Where Jesus Christ came down to the earth in the form of a man. He put your debt and my debt on his back. Our sin marched up to Calvary just before he breathes his less. He says, Tetelestai, it is finished. Your debt is paid in full. That is where our salvation comes from. That is only where our salvation comes from. That is the only place. And see what he does, not only does he die for our sins and offer this salvation, but he offers it to us as a free gift. In other words, we, it's an action that's, that we have to take. We have to take that gift of salvation. And a lot of people get stuck here. A lot of people think, well, well, why didn't Jesus just save everybody? Well, first off, Jesus Christ died for every single person. If you were the only person that was alive, Jesus Christ would have died for you, for your salvation. That's number one. And number two, let me illustrate this. So if I, if I were to work really hard on something, sacrifice a lot... If I were to put a lot into some kind of a gift, and I can't do what Jesus Christ did. I'm just trying to give you an illustration. I put so much into this, and I had this gift I wanted to give you, and I forced it at you and said, you're going to take this. Regardless of what you want to do, you're going to take this. I mean, that would not be a gift that was born out of love. That would be a gift born out of control and manipulation. Let me tell you something. We We do not serve a God of control and manipulation. We serve a God of love. He loves us so incredibly much. He not only died in our place, bought us our salvation, but then He offers it, he gives us the choice. John three sixteen says, "For God loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son, that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life." As what Jesus has done for us is the perfect picture of love, it is the perfect picture of love. Let's keep reading in this story in Jonah chapter one verses fourteen. Through 16, it says, So they called out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. And don't charge us with innocent blood, for you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah. They realized there's nothing else to do, so they pick up Jonah, they throw him into the sea. The sea stopped its raging. Then the men were seized by fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But here's the sad reality in these stories. See, these, this, these men are impacted by this loving and merciful God, but now they are left with nobody to disciple them, nobody to show them how to follow God and to, to show them the truths of God because the one man, the prophet that was with him, he's now continuing to run from God. He's in the sea. but These guys are left on their own. See, the story of Jonah, not only tells us of the incredible love, mercy, grace of God. It also tells us how much is lost and how much is wasted when we choose to follow after our own desires rather than following after God. So much is lost and wasted. So many people's lives that are hanging in the balance while we simply follow after our own desires and pretending like the gospel, the great commission, and God himself doesn't even exist. We miss so many opportunities so many opportunities. Then verse 17 says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And next we see something happen to Jonah here. As he's And I'm imagining it's probably happening as he's hitting the water. All of a sudden, he hits this water, and then he is just impacted by all of these choices he's made. He's like, oh, my goodness. Like, all of these bad choices come flooding back into his mind. He's like, oh, my goodness. What have I done? It's like when you get to this point in your life, you make all these decisions. Other people around you can see that you're about to just ruin your life. But for whatever reason, we keep on going. I've been there in my life. And you're like, why did I make this stupid decision? Why did I get here to this point in my life? And Jonah's finally there, rock bottom. And he's like, what have I done? What have I done? He's realizing all the bad decisions that he's made, and he's feeling something similar to these sailors were feeling just moments ago. He's feeling like he's perishing. He's feeling like there's no hope at all. See, God had brought Jonah to this point in his life. He loves Jonah, and he loves these people in Nineveh. And he allowed Jonah to make all these decisions. He brings Jonah to this point in his life where he's like, buddy, you got to make a decision. Either you keep on following after your own desires, your own peril, or you chase after my desires and be part of my plan of redemption to save so many people out there that don't know me. He's given Jonah the choice. And he's put him in a situation based on Jonah's choices where Jonah has to make a choice. Either keep on following his own desires or follow God's desires see, as Jonah is dropping deeper and deeper into the depths here, what God is doing is God is reminding him. Jonah, as you feel like you're dropping deeper and deeper, just perishing more and more, just hopeless situation, remember these Ninevites that don't know me. You know me. They don't know me. They're dropping deeper and deeper, hopelessly lost in their own sin, drowning in their own sin. God is kind of reminding him of what is going on here. He loves these people, these Ninevites, The difference is Jonah's eyes have been opened to the love and the mercy of God. Jonah knows God. He's a man of God. But these Ninevites don't know God. They need God to send somebody like Jonah to open their eyes. Jonah's reminded of this as he feels like he's perishing and falling further and further, drowning, just like the Ninevites are drowning in their own sin. And what happens through this is Jonah calls out to God. And through chapter 2, we're only going to hit one verse in chapter 2, but this is, it's this prayer that Jonah prays to God. So let's just let's check this out in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, where Jonah is praying to God, calling out to God. It says, I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. The word Sheol here, it means the realm of the dead or the grave. The realm of the dead or the grave. Even though Jonah feels like he is just perishing, like he is just absolutely it's a hopeless situation, Jonah remembers, he knows, regardless of the situation that he is in, he knows that with God, absolutely nothing is impossible, that there is always hope with God. He knows that, and he knows that no matter where he goes, God is always there. And guys, I'm going to tell you something, no matter where you go, God is always there. There is always hope with God, no matter what kind of situation, struggle you are in. No matter if you go to the top of the highest mountain, out to the middle of the most desolate desert, to the depths of the sea, God is right there. You can never outrun God's love, and you can never outsend God's grace and His God's mercy. And guys, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, the situation that you're currently in, the struggles that you're currently in. I'm going to tell you something. God loves us so incredibly much, nothing is impossible for Him. He will meet you in the situation that you are at. He will meet you in the struggle that you are at, and He will save you in the situation or the struggle that you are at. You do not have to step out of that situation. He will come to you. All He asks is that you cry out to Him. That you cry out to Him and recognize that He is the only one that can truly save us. That's all that He asks no matter where you are in your life, nothing is possible for him, and he loves you so much, so incredibly much. We see Jonah crying out to God. After everything that he's done, this man is a prophet. He's a prophet of God, and you can read about in 2 Kings 2. We're not going to hit on that today, but Jonah, he's seen the power of God in big ways. He knows God. He's a prophet. So after everything that Jonah has done, this man of God, and then he cries out to God, What happens? God saves him. God saves him supernaturally. The word literally tells us that he commanded the big fish to vomit uh, Jonah out. I would hate to be this dude in that moment. Vomiting Jonah out onto dry land. He saves him. So after everything that he's been through, cries out to God. God saves him. Let's see what happens here. Let's see what Jonah does next. In Jonah chapter 3, verses 1, and then the first part, through the first part of verse 3. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. So Jonah is finally getting it, and it's not in this moment. It's not like Jonah's like I'm all in. I love the Ninevites. I want to go over here. It's not like that. Actually, you can keep on reading in the text. We're not going to get to verse to chapter four. But, but Jonah's a little belligerent with this, but at the same time, he's recognizing the fact that you know it's not just about my desires in this moment. I need to do what God is telling me to do, and so that's what he does. And he he remembers three things. He remembers three really important things in this moment. First, he remembers what his purpose is. His purpose is to follow God, to follow God. And the second thing he remembers is what his focus is. His focus is on God. And the third thing he remembers is where his commitment is. Commitment is for God. In Victory Church, I want to ask you guys, what is your purpose? What is your focus? And what is your commitment? Where is your commitment? So I'm going to tell you guys as Christians, our purpose is to follow Jesus Christ. Our focus should be on Jesus Christ. And our commitment should be for Jesus Christ. Everything in our life should start and end with the name of Jesus Christ. And if it does not, you are standing on sand, my friend. You are not going to see change happen in your life. You're not going to see change happen in your family's lives, and the environment around you, and your situations, and your struggles, in your church. You're not going to be used for revival or evangelistic outpouring because that only happens when our purpose, when our focus, and when our commitment is all about Jesus Christ. Because, guys, everything is about Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there would be no gospel message. Without no gospel message, there would be no hope, freedom, and redemption. Without hope, freedom, and redemption, we would be lost, drowning in our own sin. Guys, let me tell you something. With Jesus, with Jesus, there is a gospel message. With Jesus, there is hope, there is freedom, and there is redemption. With Jesus Christ, nothing is impossible. That's when revivals happen, when evangelistic outpouring happens. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. But our life, everything in our life has to start and end with the name of Jesus Christ. Because it's all about him. It's all about him. And that is when heaven touches earth right here and right now when God is using us in supernatural ways. Let's continue on in this text. Jonah 3, verses 6 through 8. It says, When the word reached the king of Nineveh, the word has spread throughout this city. It's reached the king of Nineveh. He got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh by order of the king and his nobles. No person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all they must not eat or drink water furthermore both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to god each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrong doings here we see an entire city an entire city turn to god in repentance and belief and by the way there's over 120,000 people in this city Guys, absolutely nothing is impossible for God. We serve the God of the impossible. The biggest obstacle in our life is the limitations that we put on God. The biggest obstacle from seeing the harvest, the revival, the evangelistic outpouring, the change in our life, the limitations that we put on him. The fact that we won't wake up, we won't get up, and we won't move with expectation for the God of the universe to work in and through us in supernatural ways. Let me tell you something. At the end of my life, I would rather look back and say I live boldly for Jesus Christ than to look back and think that I limited the impact that he wanted to have in my life and through my life in any way. In any way. Guys, it's time to wake up. It's time to get up and it's time to move with eager expectation, boldly, with radical faith, expecting the God of the universe to move in and through us to start revivals, to start evangelistic outpouring that happened right here, right now, in Victory Church and in Morganton, North Carolina. Because guys, absolutely nothing is impossible for Jesus Christ. Nothing is impossible for the God of the impossible. And then lastly, in Jonah chapter, chapter 10, it says, God saw their actions, that he, had, that he had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster that they had threatened um, with them, And he did not do it. Guys, we got to wake up, and we got to realize that we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. God is waiting on us. And guys, when you open your eyes, when you wake up, when you get up, and when you move, man, that is when revival and evangelistic outpouring happens, that even the gates of hell can't stop, man. Nothing can stop what God will do in and through us when we actually wake up. And we actually work with God rather than against God. Guys, we've got to stop wasting our time with this question, does God want revival to happen, evangelistic outpouring to happen? Stop wasting your time with that crazy question. Man, and realize, open your eyes and realize that Jesus Christ is ready. He is able. He is willing, and he is waiting. He is waiting on us to wake up, to get up, and to move to start revivals, to start evangelistic outpouring right here, right now, to bring heaven to earth through us right here and right now. He's waiting on us, guys. We're not waiting on him. May we be a church here, a victory church that is full of people that lives for Christ in complete abandonment and refuses to stay asleep, brings the kingdom of heaven down right here and right now, where revival and evangelistic outpouring happens every single day of every single week. With God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I want to invite the worship team up. Guys, no matter where you are in your life, you're here today, and your eyes have never been opened to the gospel message. The message of hope, freedom, and redemption. I'm going to tell you, no matter where you are in your life, Jesus will meet you where you are at. You don't have to wait until you're in a certain point in your life. You don't have to wait till you're good enough. Don't wait till you're good enough because you'll never be good enough. Don't wait till you got your stuff right because I'm going to tell you, even as a Christian, you're not going to have all your stuff right. It's not about what we can do or have done. It's about what God can do and what God has done. He will meet you where you are at. He loves you so incredibly much. All he asks is that you cry out to him from where you're at. Just cry out to him. Or if you're here today and you're a Christian, you've been a Christian, you've been a follower of Christ for a while, but maybe you've fallen asleep. Maybe you've never taken the Great Commission seriously, spreading the gospel message. If God is tugging on your heart and he's calling you to wake up in any area of your life, I want to encourage you, don't wait to respond don't wait he will meet you where you are at and he will wake you up where you are at Because there are so many people out there that are lost that are dying without that good news of hope freedom and redemption he loves you so incredibly much he will meet you where you are as as we sing i'm going to encourage everybody to stand as we sing as we worship god together don't wait to respond to him the altar is open i'd love to pray with you you can stand right where you're at and respond to him but don't wait to respond to him He loves you so much.